So if you got your Bibles, you can get them out to Ephesians chapter 4. So I want to pick up where I left off in Ephesians, back a little bit here. Ryan did a great job two weeks ago, kind of summarizing a a number of different themes uh, in Ephesians, which was awesome. And I'm so glad he did that, because I was ready to, uh, I really wanted to continue right where I left off. And so he prayed on it, we prayed on it, and he had an incredibly good, wow, so powerfully communicated message. And, and the Holy Spirit was nice because uh, he knew that I wanted to pick up right where I left off. So here we go. <laughs> We're in Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we looked at verses 1 through 6, which Paul pleads with the church. And again, this is a general letter to anyone who will listen. Uh, this is kind of the introduction to Christianity. And so in, by the time we're in chapter 4, he's talking about what does it look like to live in community together. And that's an assumption that as a church, there's not just a commitment to God, but there's a commitment to one another. That God has done something special. He calls it the body of Christ. Wow. With him as the head and each of us being a, a, a crucial part. So in that, just, just incredible affirmation of our need for one another and the value of one another. Doing Christian as a solo mission is not, <laughs> is not something. I don't know. Fill in the blank. It's not God's idea. It's not God's will. We are made for that community. And we're going to see some incredibly deep realities of the purpose of God creating a body of Christ. I mean, you could, it, there couldn't be a greater purpose to it, as we're going to see in a moment. As he starts off in, in, in uh, verses 1, he says, Therefore, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And then he says, and what, how do you do that? Be eager, verse 3, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So this is what he did, and we're going to, I want to re, you know, kind of review real quick because it flows into this, this next section. But he just said that walking in a manner worthy of calling Jesus our Lord, that's, so think about that for a moment. Are you and I, are we, are you walking in a manner worthy of calling Jesus the Lord of your life? And if you are, here's one of the main things that you are going to put your effort towards. Be eager to maintain unity within the body of Christ. Eager. That's a huge word. It means it's a 100% effort word. It's do your best. Make every effort. Be diligent. So this is one of those areas that God calls us to responsibility. We don't just sit back and expect something to happen. We're going to wake up and, wow, I'm going to be incredibly unified with all my brothers and sisters in Christ. No, you're not. It doesn't just happen. It's forged through time and effort. And so that's what Paul's getting after. And it's like, well, why is this so important? Why would Paul even equate this effort at unity as part of what makes us worthy (laughs) to call Jesus Lord? And he gives the answer right in there. Because God's presence dwells in unity. He said it like this in the prior chapter. Ephesians 2.22 In him, you, and he's talking about two groups that were very ununified, very divided. 
in him, you two are being built together, being built together. So through the unity that is being forged by your effort, it's being built. It's not magical. It's not theoretical. It's being built. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So there's a way in which God's Spirit dwells through unity with us together that God's Spirit is not with you in the same way when you're alone. It's not that he's not with us. He is, very clearly. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. In fact, he said, my Father and I will come and make a dwelling place with you. So is he contradicting himself? No. He's just saying, and you're even better together. God's dwelling in you. God's dwelling in you. And when you come together in unity by the Spirit, man, now he's really dwelling. It's like where Jesus said, when two or more gather in my name, I am there. Also, are you not there when we're not gathered? Yes, I am there, but I'm really there. What's he doing? Power of community. So, with all that in mind, and the passion, therefore, that we have to be eager to do the work, to forge unity and maintain unity, and all the things that he talks about that are gonna, that's going to take humility, it's going to take gentleness, it's going to take patience, it's going to take bearing with one another. All that stuff. Now he moves into this next connected thought. So from the unity that's so crucial, he then moves into the beautiful diversity of glory that God has put within that community. So let's read it. Chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says... When he, Jesus, ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. Long story short, that's a picture of a Roman conquering general that then comes back from war and passes out the the booty and the bounty, the pillage. So in other words, Jesus kicked Satan's butt and now has power to give to his people. That's literally what it means. He is a victorious warrior, and he has the spoils of war, the victory to pass out and give to us in the form of power. (laughs) So what does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended. So that's the whole he came down. He did his business. He fought the enemy and won. Now he's ascended. Now he's the victorious warrior, and he's giving out gifts in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, so Christ gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of ministry so that the body of Christ, there's the community, the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed to and fro by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect, in every respect, excuse me, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, like normal, Paul has said so many great things 
that by the end of it, I have no idea what he's saying anymore. So his brain is too big for me, so let's, let's, let's slow it down, and we'll look into some glorious truths. But if we're kind of just to feel the big picture, Paul has trumpeted the importance of unity because that's where the Spirit of God dwells. And so we want to fight for it. We want to work for it. We want to be eager for it. And then, not coincidentally, he goes in to the diversity of gifts within that community, that body that is meant to be unified. And so let's, let's just pull out a few things here uh, that are truly awesome. We've probably heard some of them before, but it's like this is where it's like we come as, as those with that childlike posture that says, God, just either show me something fresh, or show me something new, or in a fresh way, make something that I already know just glorious by the power of your spirit. Help me see it deeper to where it becomes who I am. So there's always room to grow. So Ephesians 4, 7. That's the first verse. Let's just let's get into it. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportions it. As Christ apportions it. So this is an interesting and important picture. Jesus is the head of his body. He's the head of his church. He's the only head. And he apportions grace. He gives it out how he wants to. He apportions it. It's his design. That's very important to see. And it's in each one of us. We'll get back. That's, that's, that's revolutionary. It really is. And we'll get there in a moment. But it says clearly, the whole way this is introduced, this picture of a powerful people, is each one of us has been given gifts by Christ. Each one of us. And so another way, or at least I would say, the, the, the meme that was on my mind, the thought, the phrase, to in a fresh way appreciate what God has done is each one of us carries the glory of God in different ways, different ways, on purpose. I think C.S. Lewis is the one who said, if, if, if the holiest thing you'll ever be around is the person next to you. And it's this picture of the image of God going way back into creation. You can't get more holy than a, than a human being being created in the very image and likeness of God. And this is what is emerging here in this picture of the community. And why we need each other so much is because God has intentionally apportioned his glory in the person next to you. And you need it. That's, that's the whole, that's where we're going here. But let's not get too far. Just the fact that God has put his glory in us. And what do I mean by glory? Specifically in this moment, it's that we reflect the character and nature of God. We are meant, designed by Jesus, and then his grace comes upon us to do it, to literally shine the glory of God, to show people aspects of what God is like. That is crazy. What a holy responsibility. What a, what a privilege God has given all of humanity. That's what he's created us for. And so, so how, how am I confident that that's where he's going? Well, because then he goes into what is often called the five-fold ministry. 
where some, he says, some are given to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, some teachers. And there's, I mean, that's a huge topic, a very important topic that, that can be broken down. And we've spent six, seven weeks on just those five words right there. But for today alone, what, what I want to point out is that those are aspects. They're not just about giftedness. That fivefold ministry carries the glory of God. They are, they are gifts, and God's grace flows through people to, to shine with those gifts, but they're bigger than that. They are aspects of God's very nature. So they are perfectly modeled in Jesus, the full kind of spectrum of how Jesus represented the Father. So he says to everybody, right? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So on earth, in Jesus' earthly ministry, he was revealing the glory of God. John 1 says that. He was the ultimate and perfect reflection of the glory of God. And those five aspects are, are great summary categories that show us the, the, the whole spectrum of Jesus' ministry. Everything that he did can be understood in one of those things. Let me, let me give some, just put some wheels on it a little bit. So that, that apostolic nature of God that Jesus modeled, that's the one who shows that the freedom before God, boldness and courage to show there is a radical freedom found in God, who God who delights in us and freely bestows an identity upon us that's given and not earned. Not earned. It's just so, so important. Not achieved. Not earned by following the rules. And, 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 and there are those apostolic types who are sent to show that. So every time Jesus is hanging out with the, the prostitutes, the sinners, the wrong kind of people, he's breaking new territory, showing people this is the kingdom of God. This is what God is like. No, you got it wrong. It's not all about the rules and regulations that you earn it. No. The identity that God wants to bestow is a freely given gift by grace. And so that's a very, that's a, that, is, that is wild new territory. And the Bible calls that kind of those apostles who are sent to show those new things, those fresh works of God. What is God doing? How do we take more new territory for the kingdom? But that shows, the, that shows God's nature. And you go on to the, the prophetic. Those are those who touch into the present throne room of God and release blessing upon people of the goodness of the heart of the Father. What is he up to? How does he see people? And, and, and it reflects his nature that he is always at work which is awesome. And so my, Dawn shared a little bit of that this morning. She modeled that this morning, not even intentionally, but that's how God was working. And it was just kind of that fresh, prophetic, what is God up to right now in this room? Because God's not just a set of beliefs that we're like, oh, well, here's our, our values that 2,000 years ago, God did some cool stuff enough to where we trust him and we're going to heaven one day. All that's true, but what's God doing right now? And that's, that's where, within the body of Christ, God has put those who are prophetic, who hear the heart of God. Jesus did that more incredibly than anybody, but it shows the nature of God. God's always on the move. Or you move on to the evangelists. Those are the ones who can't help but look outward. It's that agape love of God. It's just got to flow out. It's got to seek and save those who are lost, hurting, and broken. These are the people who are antsy inside a church. Like, why are we in church so much? Why don't we get out there? 
It's okay. That's a gift. That's an overflowing agape love of God. It's the nature of God. The teachers, they love to see people break free from the lies of the enemy. And when they see people walking around living under lies, or as this this, uh, passage talks about, lies so clever they sound like truth. Got a lot of that going on in our world. Lies so clever they sound like truth. And people get deceived. And the, the teachers are like, no, no, don't get deceived. The truth will set you free. Oh, that's Jesus as the teacher representing the heart of God. Or the pastoral folks are the one who show incredible amounts of empathy and compassion, and they are willing to meet people right where they're at with incredible care and patience. So Jesus models this when he walks around, and, and, and oftentimes when he sees people who are sick and hurting and broken, and even what you might say the, the unlovable ones, or the world might say the unlovable ones, the untouchable ones, literally untouchable, the lepers. And it says Jesus was moved with compassion, and he reached out and touched him. Intentionally <laughs> did what you're not supposed to do. Why? Not just about giftedness. It's about revealing the heart of the Father through the giftedness. And so these are all just little examples of Jesus did it perfectly in those, this five-fold ministry. He revealed the glory of the Father. And so when this passage says that to each one of us, Christ has apportioned gifts, and then he goes on, some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, don't get caught up in the titles. This is about the heart of God, the nature of God, the glory of God being put on each one of us so that within the body of Christ, we reveal God to one another. In ways that, that, what does it say? Edify us, grow us, build us up. Let's keep going here. So, let's just take that phrase, each one of us. So, all these things reflect the nature and the character of God. And Jesus intentionally placed them. He chose it. You didn't get to choose it. But you know what? When you line up with God, you're usually pretty happy. (laughs) You're usually like, thank you, Lord. You're good. So he chose it. He's intentionally placed some of his glory in each of us for one another. Let's just take that phrase, each of us. The church needs to believe that. It hasn't over the centuries, unfortunately, all the time. Each one of us has become an elite few. When the Bible literally says, each one of us. How did we do that? Let's remember who each one of us is in this context. Paul makes it abundantly clear in the writing to this Ephesians, which is not in the original manuscript, which is so important because it shows us that this is a general letter to anyone who wants to learn about Christianity. This is Christianity 101, and he goes through all the basics about who we are, what God has done, what's the good news, what's the gospel, and how does that lead us to live lives in the context of community and mission. And he, in chapter 2, gets very specific. He says, I know I'm talking to Jews and Gentiles, and I know you hate one another. 
You've had bloody wars with one another. So I'm talking to you intentionally. Both groups, I'm talking to you. Jesus went to the cross to tear down those walls of hostility and make you one new humanity. What? Do you, we, like, do we see that? So when he says, each one of us, he is intentionally talking, he, we already know the context People have already read and they're soaking in the reality that let's not make a mistake. This, this letter is not written to a group of elite Navy SEAL leaders. This is written to everyone. And I'm calling out you two ethnic and racial groups that hate each other and gone to bloody war. You two, you're one in Christ and Christ put his glory in each one of you. So you need each other. Figure it out. <laughs> Woo. No wonder he said humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Each one of us. Oh, by the way, guess who's also included in that? Women! Whoa, crazy! Do we need to make that clear? This is not written to a group of male super elite leaders. This is written to Anyone who wants to know about Jesus and to each one of us, male and female, Jew and Gentile, God has put his glory in you. So not only do you need to believe that for yourself, you need to believe that in the person next to you and say, I mean, do we, do we go with that? Do we, do we say, I see the glory in you? I mean, it's, it's, Maybe you're the person that needs to know that for yourself. Maybe, I mean, we all kind of have different struggles. Maybe you're the person that actually needs to believe that there is glory in you. That Jesus intentionally apportioned, meaning gave you, put in you aspects of the glory of God. And maybe you're the person that needs to believe I don't have all the glory in me. That person next to me maybe got a little bit too. Even if they're a woman. Even if they look different than me. I'm just, just, I'm just reading the Bible, folks. Moving on. So what's the purpose of the whole thing? The whole thing of all of what he's done, putting his glory in each one of us, right here. Here's the purpose. Ephesians 4, and just for the sake of understanding it, we're going to go 7 and then 12. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So now we're flowing. Now we, whoa, now that means something. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He chose it. He put his glory on us. What's the purpose? Down to 12. To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, here we go, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do we, like, what? What? God put a diversity of glory in the body of Christ so that we would encounter him through one another 
in order that through the glory that each one of us carries, we will all become actually more like Jesus now in this life. That's what that said. Till we all reach unity, building up of the body of Christ, knowledge of the Son of God, which is encountering God. And what's the context? Through each other, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's not talking about heaven. That's talking about the purpose of God putting his glory in each one of us right now in the body of Christ. So through one another, we would actually get built up to be more like Jesus. You carry a glory that your neighbor needs. Your neighbor carries a glory that you need. Jesus designed it that way. He had fun with it. He apportioned it based on whatever he wanted to do. You need that person that annoys you. <laughs> and and, and, and it, let's move on. We're, we're almost done. So much good stuff. I'm like, I can't even handle it. It's too much good. We should stop, right? We should stop. We're going to stop real quick here. The strongest type of affirmation that, that, that can happen, and at times correction, will happen in a healthy body of Christ, and it will actually make you more like Christ in a healthy body. And this is where it kind of gets, we got to be careful on this one. It takes time. It takes trust. It's not with everybody. It's with those who you really develop that trust and, and relationship with. And I'll give an example from Jesus, but let's look at the verse. Verse 16, speaking the truth in love. So Paul's repeating himself, which he always does. <laughs> but he's clarifying a little bit more. How do we get to be more like Jesus, which is God's will for the body of Christ? Verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. The body builds itself up. Now that's interesting because Jesus said, I will build my church, right? So he's ultimately the head and in charge. But in this passage, Paul's focusing on, it's not this magical thing where we just expect God to do something. We don't have any relationship with anybody else and we just wake up and we're like Jesus and awesome. The body builds itself up. So he's continuing to reinforce we need each other. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature. So there's that repetition. Mature, to be like Jesus, to actually have our character transformed to be like Jesus. And it's through one another, the gifts we bring, the glory we bring, and speaking that truth in love. And, and, and a lot of times this verse gets kind of the negative of like, this is our favorite passage for those of us who just want to crush somebody, right? Well, speaking the truth in love, I am going to destroy them, but my heart's full of love, so I can't wait. I mean, it's very rare. In, in deep, a very small few people in your world, there, there's a place for healthy correction. Needs to come over time and trust. I mean, 
Jesus said to his closest disciple, get behind me, Satan. That's called the correction. He spoke the truth in love, but that's, that was a harsh one. It's also very rare. He also knew him incredibly well. He was one of his closest family. And you know what he also said to him? And this was much more of the common. I see you as the rock. You are the rock. You, even though I know, here, okay, here's God's heart. Even though I know you are going to betray me like a little coward, you're going to be afraid to tell them that you're a follower of me in front of a little girl who in that culture like has no like power whatsoever, cannot be a witness in court. Their words don't matter and you're scared of me and ashamed of me in front of her. I know that all about you and you are the rock. Talk about living by grace. <laughs> That's Jesus seeing the, the glory in Peter, <laughs> even though it's way below the surface, and calling it out. Saying, come on up. This is who you're made to be. This is who I know God created you to be. This is who I see you to be. Jesus is operating in everything. He's operating prophetically, he's operating apostolically, he's pastorally. He's just, he's on fire. To take someone as broken and cowardly as Peter and say, you are the rock. Those are the kind of things that should happen in church. Where we look for the glory in one another and call it out. Call it out. Speak that truth in love. That's primarily what that should be. Speak truth in love. What does that mean? Call out the glory in your neighbor. See the heart of God in them and say, I see that in you. That's awesome. That's powerful. Do it more. Encourage. What is it? Built up. Built up. That's a, that's, a, that's a construction term. It's edifying. You're building an edifice. You are building each other up, not tearing each other down. So it should be way more on the positive. I see this glory in you. I see this glory in you. Build each other up. And what are you doing? You're literally calling forth the Christ in them. And that's exactly what the Bible says is the point. Call forth the Christ in them. Call forth how God designed them. Don't see all their brokenness. Call forth, call forth the creation and the redemption. Don't focus on the fall. Yeah, we all know we're fallen. We all know we're sinners. Focus on God's creation and design and his redemption. May that be the truth you speak in love on the, the, the major basis, on the normal, on the priority. And what happens? The body builds itself up in love and becomes more like Jesus. And lastly, we'll just close here. Paul says that each one of us must do our part. It's crazy. Listen to what it says. From him, the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as or when each part does its work. That's a lot of responsibility that God has entrusted each one of us with. His vision, his goal, his destiny and will for a local body of Christ is that they would become more and more like Jesus. And, 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 he, and wow, he left it up to us 
to carry some responsibility in it. Not, certainly not on our own. It's his giftedness and his spirit that makes it happen and all that. But he says, as each part or when each part, when each part does its work. You have a work to do that no one else can do. And you've got to believe it. Or you need to see the person next to you and trust they've got a work to do that no one else can do. And so this is that giving and receiving of glory. So just to, to close and put a practical action step on it. It's, in some ways, it can be very simple. Are you giving and receiving glory in the body of Christ? Do you have a heart that first believes that you carry glory to be shared? Do you believe that others carry glory that you need? And have you postured your heart to both give and receive? Give and receive from one another. Let's pray.